New on Curiosity Stream. Grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, hear surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are twenty dollars, just a dollar sixty-seven a month. Visit curiositystream.com. I met River last year during my first year of college. I'm a second year now. We were assigned as lab partners for a bio class we had together first semester. River was nice, polite, friendly, outgoing. She was a math major and clearly didn't want to be taking a bio class. It was a bio 101 class for first years and River was two years ahead of me, so she was really just taking it to fill up some credits. Anyway, my point is the impression she made on me was pretty good. We had another class together the next semester, this time in LFIT, basically like a gym class. It only gives you one credit, but everyone has to take one to graduate. She seemed happy to see me and we started talking. LFIT classes are stupid. You don't do anything useful. You walk laps and play basketball or fill out worksheets about muscles and crap. So basically, River and I had a lot of time to goof around during class. Over the course of the semester, I got to know her pretty well, I think. Eventually, we started hanging out after school. River never really opened up about her home life. Our whole campus was on a quarantine lockdown anyway, so I guess she didn't think it mattered. Not going to see my family until the end of the semester anyway, she would tell me. Why talk about it? I shrugged. Fair enough. And that was that. She helped me navigate my first year of college, and honestly, I don't think I would have made it through without her. So naturally, I asked if she wanted to room with me this year, and she agreed. Although she told me she could be... difficult. I told her it was fine. I didn't mind having a difficult roommate and that she could make it up to me by helping me get around campus and talk to people and stuff. I have a really bad social anxiety, so sometimes River has to step in on my behalf. So, yeah, River is a difficult roommate. I'll admit that. She doesn't take out her trash on time. She doesn't fold laundry. She doesn't ever make her bed. And she brings random Tinder dates home all the time. She does tell me ahead of time, and if I say not to then, she won't but I don't want to be the fun police. River has a vibrant social life. I don't. It's okay, I guess. I have a couple of acquaintances, but nobody I would say I'm close to. Except River. She is a terrible roommate, I will admit. But whenever I call on her, or ask her to come to an appointment with me, or help me draft an email to a professor, or when I just feel lonely and miserable and need a friend, she is always here for me. Always. I try not to demand too much from her, but honestly, she doesn't seem to mind. Anyway, about three weeks ago, things started not adding up. It all started the night of the party. So yeah, it was a frat party. I told River I wanted to go. I still don't know why, really. I just wanted to feel alive, I guess, and do something besides just classwork and being depressed. And also, I had never been to a party before. When I told her, River raised an eyebrow at me and gave me a grin. Damn, really? Lynn Foster going to a party? Oh, I've got to see this. The party was around 9. It was a Friday night, so it would probably go well and well into the morning. Still, I found myself nervously showering and getting ready well before that. 
since my class ended at 3 on Fridays and I had no other plans. After I had showered, applied my makeup, and done my hair, I figured I was looking pretty good. I didn't have any dresses or anything to wear, so I just wore a t-shirt and shorts. You know, like a sexy, casual look or something. Hell, I don't know. At 8.30, River met me in front of our dorm building, giving me an approving once-over. Damn, Lynn. Looking good. I smiled. Yeah? You think guys will like it? River rolled her eyes. She had never dated men, and I could tell she didn't particularly like them in general. I think it's because of her home life, but I'm not sure. The guys? Yeah. She scoffed. The guys will like it, as you say. I didn't like the way that she said that, but I knew she meant what she said. Good. I looked good. Of course, next to her I looked fairly drab. River never wore makeup. She told me she didn't like it. Didn't even own any. And yet she still always looked stunning. She never really wore anything fancy. I don't know how she always looked like a model. It's ridiculous. Anyway, that day was no different. She looked breathtaking. She wore a tank top, which was just tight enough that her abs were clearly visible underneath it, under a leather jacket, unzipped, with dark-colored jeans, tight enough to show off her legs but loose enough to be comfortable, and combat boots underneath. Her keys and pepper spray were clipped to her belt, and I know she always hides a switchblade in her foot. I had never seen River dress up for anyone as long as I had known her, and that night was no exception. Tank top, jeans, leather jacket, classic River. Even though it was 8.30, the sun was still up. River's midnight black hair fell down to her waist in full, thick, glossy waves. And in the waning sunlight, I could have sworn her light brown skin glowed just a little bit, like polished bronze, I found myself thinking. She turned towards me, raising her eyebrows as I stared at her. You good? Uh, yeah, I replied, snapping out of my reverie. Good, let's go eat something, then we can head to the frats. Sound alright? I nodded, watching the dying sunlight illuminate her cheekbones and raise her sharp jawline. Sounds like a plan, I mumbled. And so we did. It was Friday evening, and all the restaurants around campus were pretty full, so eventually River and I found ourselves at a little bar next to an overfilled and understaffed Waffle House. Looks like if we want food, this is where we're going to have to get it, she told me apologetically. I sighed, following her into the bar, which seemed suspiciously empty. I wanted us to go sit in the corner by ourselves, but River walked straight up to the bar. To my surprise, she ordered normal food and water instead of alcohol. I sat next to her, tentatively ordering some generic burger with fries. The bartender walked into the back to get stuff, and we were left alone. Well, besides the other few people in the bar, I guess. You didn't want a drink? I asked her. I don't drink at parties, she told me simply. Um... Isn't that the entire point? River chuckled. I don't go to parties in general. If I want to have a good time, I hang out with a friend or open up Tinder. Why do you, of all people, want to go to one? I sighed, shrugging. Tired of being alone, I guess. River shook her head as the bartender returned with two plates, before going to tend to another customer. You're not alone, Lynn. And there are better ways to do this, you know. Better ways to have a fun night. You don't have to go to a frat party and get wasted. I knew that, of course, but I wanted to do this. I felt like I had to, I mean, it's part of the college experience, right? 
I told River as much and she chuckled. The experience, huh? Alright, well, I hope you have fun then. I turned towards her, taking a bite of my burger. Aren't you coming? She nodded. Yeah, but it ain't really my thing. I don't like frat boys. I giggled, taking another bite of my burger. You don't like any boys, Riv. She shrugged, taking a sip of water. I consider that a blessing, honestly. I raised an eyebrow but said nothing for a moment. Then of course I asked, why? River took a moment before replying. I don't have good experiences with men. I know there's good ones out there and all that, but since I'm not attracted to them, I don't really care about finding one. I think trying to find a genuinely good guy is like looking for a needle in 20 haystacks, you know? With women, it's like 5 or 10 haystacks, maybe. Seems more convenient to be into men, though, I told her. Easier to find a partner? She shrugged. Quality over quantity, hon, was all she said. We ate in silence for a few minutes before a stranger walked into the bar, plopping himself down next to River. There were at least five other free seats at the bar and he had chosen that one. I hoped he wouldn't try to flirt with her. Guys usually don't, honestly. Apparently some of them don't like women with muscle or with River's personality. She is intimidating if you don't know her, I guess. She's always way out of their leagues usually, and I think she knows it. Hey there, said the guy. His voice was slurred and he was clearly drunk. You come here often? I haven't seen you in here before. River gave him an indifferent shrug. First time, she replied. I can see why nobody comes here. This place sucks. The bartender shot her a glare and she smiled apologetically. The guy chuckled. Sucks so much. Then why are you still here? You want to get out of here, maybe? No thanks, she replied evenly. Why don't you check another bar? The guy sighed. He sounded disappointed and very, very drunk. Listen, I just... Really love your hair, you know? It, it looks really soft. I almost choked on my water, holding in a laugh. This guy was really trying and doing a terrible job, too. Felt kind of bad for him, but he was being a bit of a creep. Then he reached out and grabbed a fistful of River's hair. Not fast or violently. He kind of just reached out and grabbed some. Like he wanted to run his fingers through it. Immediately, I felt River tense beside me. Don't touch me, was all she said. Her voice was emotionless, cold as steel. The guy giggled. I tried flagging down the bartender or something, but she suddenly wasn't there. Neither was the bouncer, which definitely struck me as odd. The drunk man laughed and yanked at River's hair, roughly grabbing a fistful of it. Then he pulled her towards him, reaching around with his other arm to grope at her chest. Ah, oh, hell, was all I could think. If there's one thing River hates more than anything, it's being touched in any way without her permission, especially by strangers, and double especially by men. All the tension in River's body was released in one fluid movement. It happened so fast that I didn't even see her move. Really. One second she was there, in the man's grasp, and the next she... wasn't. I saw her legs move, one of them kicking her stool backwards and in the man's stomach, while her other leg stayed firmly on the ground. She was balancing on it, I realized later. The man let go of her as the stool hit him in the gut, and there was a soft click as River's switchblade flicked open. 
I hadn't even seen her get it out of her boot, but there it was. And by now, everyone in the bar was staring, but oddly enough, nobody moved. River was kneeling. The man was on the floor with fear in his eyes and a knife at his chin. Her knee was on his chest, and she was holding a fistful of his hair with one hand, and her switchblade in the other, the tip touching just below his chin. Touch anyone like that ever again, and I'll gut you like a fish. Do you understand? Her voice was calm and even, cold as ice. The man choked out an answer that I couldn't hear. It seemed to satisfy River. She stood up, closing her switchblade, and turning back toward me. Come on, Lynn, she said in a friendly voice, as though nothing had just happened. We're leaving. It was not a request. River was leaving now, whether I went with her or not. So, I followed her. I sure didn't want to be alone with the drunk guy anyway. As soon as we walked out the door, I heard conversation resume in the bar. Completely casually. It was like nothing had happened. It was as though they hadn't even seen a man get threatened with literal death in front of them. You wouldn't really gut him, would you? I asked uncertainly. Also, what if someone calls the police? River scoffed. Nobody's going to call the police, Lynn. A guy harassed me, and I defended myself. That's all there is to it. I nodded uneasily. I had a feeling that, although what River said was true, there was something I was missing here. Something was wrong. Why had the bartender and the bouncer vanished? Why didn't anybody move a muscle the entire time? Why didn't anyone seem to see what was happening? Something was off, and I didn't know what. Still, I trusted River. She had never given me a reason not to. Anyway, as we arrived at the frat house, I tried to put it all out of my mind. I was here to have a good time, to feel alive, to not be alone. The first couple hours were completely uneventful, but kind of nice. I danced to music that was too loud, drinking far more alcohol than I should have been, and I had more confidence than I ever had. River had disappeared somewhere, probably screwing some girl she met at this party, I thought. People around me were kissing, groping, smoking weed. It was a fairly tame party, honestly but it was the wildest thing I've ever done in my cookie-cutter life. Then I found John. Or rather, he found me. He sat next to me in my chem class. He was looking cute. I mean, maybe it was the alcohol talking, but he looked fine as hell. Hey, Lynn, I sit next to you in chem. I didn't know you were the partying type. He laughed. We made small talk for a bit until my beer ran out. Don't worry, girl, I'll get you a new one was all John said, and then he was gone. He brought me a fresh bottle and we kept talking, and then it turned into flirting, and then he kissed me. You want to get out of here? I nodded before he even finished the sentence, so we walked out of the party hand in hand. Then I started to feel sick. Lightheaded, dizzy, head pounding, nauseous, kind of sick. I stumbled against a wall, suddenly realizing I didn't actually recognize where we were. I had been too busy looking at John. My vision was fading in and out. I was terrified. What the hell happened? Had someone spiked my drink? Had John? No, he wouldn't, right? My sight had faded to black entirely and I couldn't move. Two sets of strong hands lifted me up and carried my limp body for a few minutes before I heard the sound of a car unlocking. Just don't burn the trunk. It was John's voice. I wanted to throw up. This can't be happening, I thought. 
and then I was tossed into the trunk of a car like a sack of trash, and I passed out. I woke up in a dorm room. I was lying on the floor naked. I didn't recognize the beds or the furniture, but I knew I was at least still on campus. Looking around groggily, I tried to find my clothes and failed. I have to call the police, I thought. I have to find my phone. I vomited onto the ground several times as I tried to stand up, and my ears were ringing constantly. My clothes were nowhere to be seen. I did find my phone, though. The screen was shattered, the case cracked in two, and the SIM card lay outside next to it in a heap of broken pieces, as though someone had taken a hammer to it. I tried opening the door to the room, to no avail, obviously. Head still spinning, I pounded on the door, not particularly expecting it to work. To my surprise, a voice outside called out, Hey, you alright in there? Call the police. Call the damn cops right... I devolved into a coughing fit, collapsing to the ground as the ringing in my ears intensified. Oh, damn it. There's a girl trapped in there. It was a different voice. Then, muffled conversation. Yeah, there's a girl trapped in our building. She's, uh... Uh, kidnapped, I think. Look, just... You need to get over here. I heard someone speaking on the phone, indistinctly. It's an emergency, I swear to God, you piece of... A pause. He hung up on me. Thinks I'm bullshitting. You guys have to call too, otherwise... The cops won't do anything. That voice... I would recognize it anywhere. It made my heart drop into my stomach and turn my insides to lead. John. Listen, you guys need to get out of here, John was saying, and then his voice dropped and all I heard were muffled whispers. Okay, okay. It was the first voice, the one who originally asked me if I was alright. A second later, the door was flung open, throwing me backwards. The hallway was empty. Nobody was there now but John. Hey, Linny, he snarled. You thought you were so smart yelling for help the second you woke up? The goddamn cops could have been here any second and ugh. He let out a frustrated growl before backhanding me across the face. In my current state, I couldn't even react to the pain beyond letting out a small whimper. Ah, God damn it. John was muttering. Nah, you bitch. He backhanded me again and I felt blood trickle down the side of my face as bolts of white-hot pain shot through my head. Two guys walked into the room, leering down at me. Standing up, John turned to them. Pick her up. We need to move her. Now. How is she even awake, man? Thought you said 24 hours. I don't know, Greg. I don't know. Just move. Two familiar sets of hands picked me up, and I passed out again. The next time I awoke, my head felt much clearer. It wasn't throbbing or ringing anymore, at least. I was in another dorm room, identical to the last. I screamed as I sat up, seeing a man standing just a few feet from me. Hey, hey, I'm Greg, okay? Listen, I know you hate me, okay, but I'm here to help. John doesn't even know I'm here. I spat at him, unable to move much. My body still felt sluggish and numb. I just wanted to give you this, Greg told me. He handed me a phone. A phone? I stared up at him, disbelieving. He didn't meet my gaze. I'm sorry, was all he said. He walked out of the room, not closing the door behind him. I stood up shakily and found my clothes lying on a bench beside me. 
I put them on as fast as my shaky, spasming body would allow before leaving the building. Thank God I didn't run into John on the way out. I found myself in an area I recognized, one of the smaller dorms on the outskirts of campus. I tried calling 911, but nobody answered. Is that even possible? How could nobody answer? Whatever. I didn't have time to think about it. I knew that, feeling the way I did, I couldn't walk to the campus hospital. I would pass out long before that. So I made a beeline for my dorm, needing to go somewhere familiar, somewhere safe. It was fairly close and I was reasonably confident that I could make it. And I did. Barely. It was around 6am, so nobody was really around to see me, thank god for that. I found my keycard still in my jeans pocket and I made my way back to my room, shaking violently. Walking in I found the room empty. River's bed was cold and unmade, meaning she hadn't slept here last night. Wait. River? Damn it, she's probably looking for me, I thought. She had completely escaped my mind until now and I suddenly realized just how badly I needed to not be alone. How badly I needed a friend. How badly I needed someone to be there for me. How badly I needed River. I picked up my phone with shaking hands, dialing River's number. She probably wouldn't pick up at 6am I figured, but she did. She picked up on the first ring. Lynn? River. I choked out. My voice broke and I began sobbing. River, I need you here. Come back, I... I couldn't say anything. I couldn't find the words. I began sobbing, saying nothing. I'm coming. Stay on the phone, okay? You hear me? Stay on the phone. I couldn't hear much on the other end after that. I lay on the ground in a fetal position, sobbing. Maybe ten minutes later, River bust through the door in jeans and a tank top. Where was her jacket? I didn't ask. Her light chocolate brown eyes flashed in the dim light of our room, looking around frantically until they landed on me, curled up in the middle of the floor. I sat up feebly, and River's expression darkened. Who did this to you? I sobbed, saying nothing. River didn't ask me again. Instead, she sat down next to me, put her arms around me, tucked a strand of her hair behind my ear, and pulled me close to her. For the first time since this entire incident, I actually felt safe. River just held me for a while. Neither of us said anything. I didn't know what to say, and River didn't either. Eventually, River went out and brought me some food and water, and told me I had been gone for two full days. The next day I told her what had happened. She seemed quite upset that I had left the party with John without telling her, and I guess she had a right to be. It was stupid. I went to the police with River, but they told us it was all just hearsay. John had washed me thoroughly, and there was no trace of his DNA left on me, or in me, I, I guess I should say. No trace, but the constant pain between my legs and the bruises and cuts all over my body. The police didn't give a shit. They gave me a form to fill out and went me on my way. I told them to search the buildings and they told me they already had and found absolutely nothing. River hadn't said much the whole time. Her expression told me that this was about what she had expected. Later that night, River asked me something that should have thrown up some red flags, but didn't. Not at the time. What's John's last name? Smythe, I replied. Okay. That was it. Okay. That was all she said. The next day, that was when it got weird. That's when people started dying. 
Gerald Zeno was the first. A suicide, the school paper said. Normal enough. College students commit suicide all the time. Nothing super noteworthy, I guess. That's messed up, I remember thinking, without giving it any more thought. Until I saw the picture above the short article. It was the guy that harassed River in the bar the other night. I was sure of it. He looked better dressed and better groomed, but it was definitely him in the picture. I didn't draw the connection. Not then. Weird coincidence, I thought. Skimming the article, I noted that it said he had lipped off the roof of one of the taller dorm buildings, that his neck and spine had been fractured or shattered in several places, killing him instantly. However, the thing they couldn't explain was how his stomach got sliced open during the fall. Maybe he hit a metal beam. Maybe he hit a tree or something. Whatever the case, his stomach was sliced open and his intestines and entrails were splayed out all around him, splattering everywhere when he landed. It looked like he had been gutted. That was the gist, anyway. But the paper would never write that. Our school could never write that. They never wrote anything as graphic as that. And how could they rule it a suicide if the man had literally been gutted? Wait. Gutted? I should have put this together earlier, I thought. If you ever touch anyone like that ever again, I'll gut you like a fish. But, uh, but there was no way, right? River? River couldn't do this, right? I asked other people about the article and the suicide that day, and some people agreed it was weird, but nobody seemed to see it as, as just wrong. A man was gutted by a tree branch or a metal beam? Seriously? Nobody seemed to give a shit. And the school paper had literally printed this graphic, gory description. None of this made any sense. And they found another body the next day. Greg Simmons, they said the name was. As soon as I read Greg, I knew what I was going to see. Yep. The picture was definitely the guy who gave me the phone and helped me escape from John. He was found hanged in his apartment, the article said. His stomach was sliced open, his intestines removed entirely. Apparently, the wall behind him also said, I'm so sorry, scrawled in his own blood. As for what he was hanged with, it wasn't a rope. It was his own intestines. The article concluded that it was bizarre, but ultimately said he was just a nutcase who went crazy and did it to himself. That. Nobody would buy that. But when I talked to people, nobody seemed to care. Nobody. River, for her part, was completely unfazed by the entire thing. If she really is the one doing all this, then she's damn good at hiding it. Two suicides in two days? This should have, should have been a big deal, I think. But no. Nothing. No cops anywhere, no media, no news. Nothing. It was as though nothing had happened at all. Memories were coming back to me about the two days I was drugged out. And they weren't pleasant. Honestly... When I remembered what they'd done to me, how did they done it? I can't say I really mourn any of their deaths, even Greg. He may have helped me escape in the end, but he had had his share of fun with me beforehand, for sure. Yeah, there, there was nothing to mourn. Then there was a third death. I forget his name, but he was definitely the other guy who was with John. I remembered him being the roughest with me, actually. Rougher even than John. He caused most of the bruises piece of shit. Well, John used the knife, and that guy used his fists, so I don't know who I hate more, really. Either way, both of them had 
used me in horrible, terrible ways, and the more my memories returned, the more I felt like this series of killings, sorry, suicides, wasn't particularly undeserved. I honestly can't say I felt any remorse when I read about that guy's death. Despite how brutal it was, they said he walked into the middle of the highway and got hit by an 18-wheeler. Suicide, of course. But we can't leave campus during quarantine and the nearest highway is at least five miles from campus. So how was his body found in his dorm room, in his bed? The article said it was odd, the way he was now almost like he had been run over repeatedly. His bones had been ground into a fine powder and as though someone had taken the time to slowly put different parts of his body under some sort of hydraulic press, slowly and methodically grinding his bones to dust, turning the body into nothing but a pool of bloody powder and shredded flesh. They said the head was the only part not crushed. Whatever had happened, had started at the feet and worked its way up. They wanted him to be alive and conscious right until the end. Then, over the next few days, there were a few guys I had never heard of, all killed in similarly gruesome ways, all ruled as suicides, all swept under the rug as no big deal. And then, the most recent one, John. He just died yesterday. His death wasn't ruled a suicide, unlike all the others. John had been castrated, then apparently, immediately, had the wound cauterized with hot iron. Same for his toes, his fingers, his legs, his arms, even his tongue. John had been left as nothing but a dickless torso with no tongue, still alive. They say that he was alive for almost one week in that state. He had been tortured throughout the entire two weeks the others were all found, and then left for dead afterwards for a week. That was the theory. They found him in a stall in the woman's bathroom, somewhere in the arts building. He was upside down with his head stuck in the toilet. The cause of death was, at first, drowning. They found his fingers and toes later that day, all in a trash bag left outside his old dorm room with a note that simply read, Remember to take out your trash. As hypothesized, all limbs were severed at all joints. His fingers were cut into three knuckle pieces and his toes too. His legs were cut at the knees and so on. You get the idea. Yeah, one thing that wasn't found though, his penis. And then they found it lodged in his drowned throat blocking his windpipe. The cause of death was changed from drowning to asphyxiation. I probably threw up three times reading that article, but at the same time some part of me was relieved. Relieved he was gone, that he was really dead. Nobody has been found today though, so I'm wondering if all the trash has been taken out. But anyway, River is acting exactly the same as ever, and I don't know how to feel about that. She's worried and concerned and supportive. She asks all the right questions and says all the right things. I know this is going to sound crazy after all I've said, but I swear to God she genuinely cares about me. Please, guys. I need advice. I don't know what the hell to do. I haven't even been to my classes in a month because of this crap. Luckily, I can submit assignments online. I'm just so freaked out by how everyone's acting about it. Please... Tell me I'm not crazy. That's all I want to know, really. I want to know that I'm not going crazy. Well, just about ten minutes ago, I got a bit of an answer. I was looking through River's clothes, drawer snooping. I swear, I was just looking for one of my tank tops I thought she accidentally put in there. 
and I found a shoebox. I opened it, and several student ID cards fell out. I think you can hazard a guess as to whose. Is my roommate, like, Dexter for rapists or something? Even if she is, how can she manipulate the whole campus into seeing all of these suicides? Except John, which was labeled as a freak accident, in spite of the clear references to human torture, as a normal thing. Also, should I be scared of her? Because at the moment, I don't feel like I'm in any danger at all. I mean, she is super nice to me. One might even say we're best friends. So what the hell do I do? Help me. Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring Curiosity Stream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste Made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com.